Hey, welcome to Pedal Sniffers. My name's Tony. My name's David. And today we're going to be talking about switching loopers. This is very exciting. Switching loopers not to be confused with looping loopers. Yeah, and like the loops that make sound. Like you record a loop and then you play over it. Yeah, we're that's, not a, talk- that's a looper looper. We don't mean that. We, we're not talking about that. So we're talking about like the true bypass loopers that you put effects in and you can control your entire pedal board or maybe part of your pedal board with one single device or one brain, um, all with a flick of one switch instead of maybe pressing several things at once or maybe even just so you have everything at the bottom of your pedal board, you can select many different things all over your pedal board, but it's all right by your feet. So it physically relocates all of your foot pedal interfacing to one portion of your metal pedal board, metal board, your metal board, your pedal board, and can also um, more efficiently allow you to press all those buttons with one switch. Exactly. This is why you're here, Tony, because hey. you, you take all the words that I come up with and you make it into a concise statement that makes sense for everyone. Thank you. I appreciate that. So who are pedal switching loopers for? I think I think there's one for everyone. I'm, that's on my standpoint. <laughs> there's a switcher for everyone. There is a switcher for everyone because there's very simple switchers that only no programmability. It's just a loop switcher that you plug in, let's say, three different pedals. And it has three loops, and then you turn them on and off, and that's it. So that could be for someone who has a larger pedal board, um, or maybe you're singing and you just don't want to have to be looking down and you just know where those three pedals are and you click them on and off and it's, it just makes life easier. So sure. that's, okay. that might be for the guy who just needs a little bit easier tap dancing rather than no tap dancing at all. I got you. I wanted to add, because I think some people might not know really like what the, what the base purpose of a true bypass looper might even be for. Um, in addition to, or even before you add MIDI and presets and the other things we're going to talk about to the mix, a true bypass looper is there to allow you to completely bypass a pedal that in some cases might be detrimental to your signal chain Yes, when it's not in a true bypass looper. Mm-hmm. Uh, certain old fuzzes. So using a bypass looper allows you to completely take it out of the chain when the pedal itself may not have originally been true bypass or causes utter interference at the same time when it's engaged. So on the basic end, you're just turning certain pedals on and off. On the opposite end, we're also possibly switching amp channels, changing MIDI patches, and any other numerable controllable things. Pretty much anything, anything that you can imagine is pretty much possible with the most advanced loop switchers as far as controlling every aspect of your pedal board. As far as to, you can take Ableton, for example, and tell your pedal board to change patches externally. So the possibilities are kind of endless as far as... I hate when people say that. Or the only limit is your imagination. It is. That is <laughs> but the it's limit. true, right? But it's true with loop switchers. You can go as crazy or as simple as you want. So how many loops do I need? Well, Tony, this, that's a great question. Oh, thank you. I'm reading off a little sheet here that kind of prompted me a little. Well, you wrote this sheet. So how many loops do we need? Uh, one per pedal? One per pedal, for sure. Um, unless we're talking about MIDI um, 
enabled pedals, which in many cases, unless it comes into the position where it's an issue signal chain wise, you can possibly put it outside the loop and then control patch changes and bypassing the pedal on and off with MIDI. But in most cases, you're going to want to have a loop per pedal on your pedal board. All right, let's address that topic there for a second because I feel like without maybe like visual aids, some of the things we mentioned might just like go, huh, what? So if you visualize your signal chain, you've got your guitar input and you may have pedals that you put there before you even go to the input of your bypass looper. Then you have the pedals that are in the loops, which could also be more than one pedal in each loop were you so inclined. In addition, you can then have pedals at the end of your chain after your looper um, specifically, like you said, that possibly would be controlled via MIDI so they don't have to be in the loops anyway. Uh, oh, and lastly, some bypass loopers have an insert point uh, to which you, while often being used to use send... volumes. Uh, exactly. Okay, by often being used to send some pedals to uh, your amp effects loop or not, that insert point could also, is another place where effects can go, like Absolutely. volume pedals. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's our signal chain is really complicated looking right now. Yeah. All right. While we're talking about volume loops. Yes. So where would I put a volume pedal in this complicated looking signal chain? So let's just take the loopers out of the equation because on some loopers, you can change the order of that insert and others you cannot, if I'm correct on that. Some, some of our loopers even have a dedicated volume point, right? Yes. Okay, which is also probably configurable as to where it happens within the signal chain. But that out of the equation, I put my volume after all my drives just because when I'm at home, I don't like my volume to affect my gain because I I don't have a practice amp per se, so I ride my volume pedal when I'm practicing at home a lot, and I don't want my tone to change at all drive-wise. Okay, that makes sense. So if you are of the mindset that when you turn down your volume, you don't want your game to change. This is... After drives, then, is where that would go. Yes. So okay, but before modulation and... before Still before modulation, before delay. And that's generally the consensus, consensus between everyone is that no matter where your volume pedal is, most of the time it's going to be before modulation, delay, and reverb. Just because if you're going to do volume swells, you're not going to get the loss of any of the trails. Now, the other viewpoint is for people who might have a similar mindset who like to ride the volume on their guitar to affect the gain. Um, They might do the same kind of thing um, with the volume pedal. Or they like the way it sounds for maybe um, volume swells. They like the way it changes the texture as they push forward into the volume pedal getting louder. So you're not only getting the volume, but you're also getting the addition of gain, which is cool too. I've done both, but... So as usual, there's no wrong way. There's no wrong way. I, I actually enjoy both. But right now, I am in the uh, after-drive camp. Gotcha. That sounds reasonable. I use a volume pedal with my looping switcher, uh, but mine happens to have some multi-effects, and I'm more often using the volume pedal as an expression to control those than I am in caring about what my volume is as I'm Now, I'm are playing. you assigning your... Is it an expression pedal that you assign to volume, or is it just an expression pedal, or just a volume pedal? It is, technically, the volume pedal is both or either. Um, However, I have it plugged into my switcher as an expression pedal, but by default, the expression controls volume. Okay, that's what I thought. 
That makes sense. Except I, for certain patches mm-hmm. where it controls wah or filtering or speed of something. That is very cool. It's very useful in, in my, my favorite switcher, which I guess we'll get, we'll get to. So let's talk presets. Do I want presets and how many presets do I need? So presets can either be really great in a live situation or really limiting almost because you're kind of stuck. Um, and many loopers are able to do both in the same exact context. For example, they may have a memory mode and a flick of a switch that can go into manual mode where you can, uh, and within that preset, um, you can change or select the individual pedals apart from what you have it saved to All on right. the fly. So, so in a manual mode or in a non-preset mode, we are turning on and off the loops individually with essentially a one-to-one relationship to foot switches or maybe a, some other combination there of these two do loop five and whatnot. But essentially pressing button one turns loop one on and off. That's right. manual mode. But in a preset mode, we are doing something that is um, controlling multiple loops and also possibly switching amp channels and sending MIDI controls and, yeah. and whatnot. So I think what you were getting at in terms of like limiting um, I th- kind of think of two ways to use presets. One is to preset a certain kind of sound. Absolutely. This is your dirty sound, and this is your clean sound with chorus and reverb, and this is your lead solo sound. Mm-hmm. And that way you're only switching between presets when you need to change the... The cons- way something sounds. It's, exactly. it's a universal um, tone that you're going to use for most of the context of whatever you may be playing. You just kind of set up your rig to be like, this is this, this is that. Right. And um, then the second way is... The second way is the way I... Um, which involves a lot more which work Which involves a lot more planning. preparation and planning. And it's part of the... I mean, I'm really big into the worship scene. So I play around um, various different campuses um, at my church. So if you're familiar at all with praise worship music, it's very structured and there's a lot happening effects wise and there's a lot of changes and it's there's a lot a lot of many tonal variations that need to change on the fly and it can be hectic without a loop switcher so this is when the presets come in where i can have my es8 is which is the loop switcher i use to be bank specific and in each within each bank i have eight presets and i basically set up the presets to go from verse chorus verse two bridge and then it's a it's a linear progression okay so you are using presets on a song basis but also within songs within songs so a bank may be a song set for you and the presets within that bank are the individual parts of the song you need that looper so in the latter case you obviously need a lot more presets very true well, most people would, yes. um, especially I mean, if you're using them in this bank kind of sub preset way that you are, where you're using individual presets for parts of songs and you need even more. Yeah. I'm probably using, we have a set of five songs. I'm probably using anywhere from 20 to 30 presets in the set. Okay. So you don't need a ton, but again, beyond that is if you want to save them, you kind of do. All right. Now I would say I'm probably more in the former camp where my presets are really based around the different sounds that I use. And I, let's see, right now probably use no more than 10. Absolutely. And then when I'm not doing the praise and worship gig stuff, I am pretty much in the same boat as you. I have a few banks saved for just sounds that jam at home. Or if I'm just playing rhythm in a set, it's pretty much the same thing throughout. I have a couple 
basic rhythm patches and I just tap in my delays as they come. So there's advantages to both. I actually love doing both. All right. So when we're comparing loopers, you're going to want to look at the number of presets as not necessarily a bad thing yeah. or, oh my God, I need 128. Yeah. You really have to figure out exactly what's going to work best for you. And that's why we're here because we're going to tell you. You got it. So, David, do I want MIDI on my looping switcher? Well, the first question you have to ask yourself is if you have pedals that can be controlled oh, yeah. with MIDI. I, well, yeah. Uh, yes. Do I have any MIDI pedals? Yes or no? Now, just say you do. So, MIDI, most MIDI pedals are capable of being told to do anything. And there are a few exceptions to this. And a great example is the TC Electronic um, Flashback 4. Flashback 4. An excellent delay and so looper it, sounds it does awesome so many things sounds good but has exactly four midi options clock mm. preset a preset b preset c yes and unfortunately you cannot bypass or turn off the effect with midi which yeah. is so if it doesn't sound necessarily like a shortcoming like when we're talking about it consider when you're programming your looper and you want to turn the flashback on to preset A, but then in another patch later, you don't want it on. Well, you know what? There's no MIDI command yeah. for that. You don't want it on, and then not only do you not want it on, but you, there's also like 20 other things happening that you're programming. So you have to think of that, and then click your button, and then remember to turn off your flashback. Right. It, it adds to the confusion. So that's, that's a MIDI pedal with some shortcomings. Um, but I guess... It's mostly big box pedals yes. that are MIDI-able in the first place, although some notable exceptions, say, like Scarlet Drive and Chase Bliss pedals with the yeah. interface and whatnot, mm -hmm. um, are not big box reverb delays that still have MIDI capabilities. Is, the, is it the GFI systems or the little, the little reverb guys? Little uh, reverb guys. Little, I'm drawing a blank. I can't remember the name of the brand. Source uh, Audio? Not Source Audio, but that is a good shop, though, because they are... Lots MIDI of control. MIDI. Lots of MIDI. In fact, they are most best utilized with MIDI, in my opinion. Um, all right. Well, to help you in your journey to purchasing a looping switcher, we've assembled a handy chart, uh, which you'll find in the episode uh, link to in the episode description or where to find it on our website. Now, important to note is that we don't have every single looping switcher on here. That would be a long list and you, contain yeah. some irrelevancies. But we've tried to put a range of the different kind of loopers from really simple without MIDI to really complicated and expensive with everything. And, of course, where we probably fall in recommendations is somewhere in between. Yes. And these are certainly all the most popular ones. I think these are – every single one of these are the ones that we thought about and that we regu regularly see on people's pedal boards and – around uh, all the gear talk forums of many different uh, genres. So we've enumerated for you, uh, for each of the loopers on our list, the number of loops, the number of available presets, also with a note to where sometimes MIDI recallable units have more presets available via MIDI than they do on the surface itself. On the, on the uh, hardware itself, yes. Yeah. Then if it's a MIDI-able device, it's going to have an in and out or through or some combination thereof, depending on its capabilities. Uh, of course, we've noted the price because, hey, that's what we're all about. Yes. <clears throat> then there's power requirements. Um, there's only one on this list that would probably not be able to be powered by your pedal power supply, for example. Uh, and that's one that requires some 650 milliamps, which I can't think of any pedal power supply that does that much. 
unless you current doubled two 500 outputs from a, a Strymon or other supply that did 500 milliamp outputs, you're not going to get 650 from anything. But pedal is it, or pedal power. Power is a concern. Um, I wouldn't put too much importance on it in here because they're all going to get powered regardless. But if you're trying to find something that fits within your existing power supply, it's good to know. And this actually is a good segue to talk about price of entrance. Okay. Your entry level pricing, your, you mean, oh, ooh, I forgot about the economies. Without, like, the economies. Of adding a looping switcher. Like, apart from the loop switcher, once you figure out how many loops you want, you need more you need cable. twice as many cables. <laughs> and if you're anything like me or Tony with a fairly large pedal board, this can be a significant financial sacrifice. You're right. So there's the cost of the looper plus the additional cables required to connect your pedals to that looper. You're going to need twice as many as you already have. Mm-hmm. And then also powering it. And maybe at that point, you already have a full pedal board and you're not going to be able to fit a looper on your pedal board. Ah, so you ran out of physical space. You ran out of uh, power, power outputs. You don't your, have enough cables. Have, yeah, all right. So already you've bought a looper and spent twice as much money as the exactly. looper cost. So apart from the looper itself, you have a myriad of other things you even have to consider before investing or looking into a looper. So it takes a lot of planning. One of the reasons why another column on our... Uh, sheet here is the dimensions you're wanting it to fit on your pedal board or to see where it's going to fit or not fit um we've also added whether the loopers uh can take control inputs or outputs those are for additional foot switches for various functions for adding volume or expression pedals uh and the outputs are used to control amp switching or anything else that could be controlled by like amp switch type yeah. uh quarter inch trs or quarter inch and lastly, uh, we made some notes about the uh, consequential items for that particular looper, whether it's got some feature that other ones don't or that just don't really fit into the chart, but things of note. All right, now there are two kinds of switching loopers. Well, I guess there's three kinds, but there's two odd kinds in the list that are included for purposes of comparison, uh, but that don't strictly qualify as what we're talking about. One of those is uh, looping switchers with in, uh, with internal effects. The Boss MS3 and a comparable item, the Line 6 HX effects. Which, which is not quite a looper. It just happens to have... Well, is it a looper that has internal effects? Or is it a multi-effects unit that has a looper? It's... We have to think about this. At its core, <laughs> it's... At its, its core, it's it might the, be multi-effects. It's the Line 6 Helix without the amp processing and I think a couple other things. Right, but it's got some external loops. It does have exter- external loops. it has loops. amp controls and MIDI and all the other nonsense. And like the MS3, it is... Maybe the MS3 was built more specifically to be a looping switcher with internal effects than the Line 6 HX is. But in the context of our chart, they occupy the same space. Yeah, so who is this for? Um... Well, it's for somebody who need, has small looping needs because these are two and three loop uh, controllers, uh, but it's somebody who wants to take advantage of those internal effects uh, and maybe also the other control capabilities offered by those units like MIDI and, and, yeah. and control. There might outs. be a few pedals you specifically want to have the physical, and like, I love the way these sound. But other than that, it's 
would actually almost be a great way of consolidating a pedal board if maybe you have a medium-sized board and you kind of want to scrunch it down and there's only a few things you want to keep. These multi-FX units for sure would be able to cover the rest of the sounds you want to cover. Even a great starting pedal board yeah, would I mean, be one of these and you add drives or other things you like into the loops later. It's certainly a great way of learning about effects in general if you're pretty new because you're going to be able to figure out what flanger, phaser, univibe, delay, reverb, and kind of figure out what kind of thing you like. And then, of course, the myriad of drives um, that each one will contain. All right. The other oddball thing in the list is uh, remote loopers. Uh, in I We've got two items in here. One is the uh, Decibel 11 loop expander. The other is the... Um, uh, Morningstar ML5. Both of those are MIDI-controlled loopers where there's no foot switches or other controls for you. They only respond to MIDI commands. So in this case, those are used to add more loops to something you already have that you can control with MIDI. Um, also usable for rigs that aren't in front of you, effects you have in a rack uh, or a whole maybe a second set of pedal board. Mm-hmm. A second set of pedal board, a second pedal board. <laughs> Yes. Um, I actually picked up one of the um, Decibel 11 loop expanders to use on a second smaller board that I'm putting together for other things. Ooh, you didn't even tell me about this. No, yeah. Well, the vocoder had to go somewhere. So the loop expander will sit on the second pedal board and then be connected to the main pedal board via MIDI to control it and the output of of my current switcher to go to that next set. So it's like a modular approach. It's it's super cool, especially if you have a smaller looper and you don't have room on your pedal board necessarily for a bigger looper, but you have more pedals um, than that hardware itself has room for. You're able to MIDI control, as of course is if your looper is able to output MIDI, MIDI control the loops, the uh, loop expander and get a little bit more, um, not bang for your buck, but a little more use out of the real estate of your pedal board without sacrificing anything. Sure. Now, is that going to work on a flat board? If you're putting pedals on top of it, maybe. But you also still have to remember there's cables that need to come out of this thing you have to route for. And then, if you have a slant board, no. It's going to, as long as you have room underneath your pedal board, this is a great option to expand a smaller looper into something that can control a bigger pedal board with more pedals than um, you necessarily could without it. So I could start off with a smaller switcher, and then I could expand later if I wanted to, if I have a switcher that has MIDI control, Yes. In by adding more loops with a loop expander, which coincidentally is exactly what I've done personally. I can't wait to see this because you've not even told me about this. I knew you got it, but I didn't know what your plans were for it. So a looping switcher switches loops, but not all looping switchers are built the same. Many of them have additional features and unique features that other ones might not even have. Like what? So a big deal for many of the bigger loop switchers on here, there's there's three. So you have the gig rig, um, G2, the RJM Mastermind PCB, um, and then the Boss ES8. You're going to say configurable loop order. Yes, I am going to say configurable loop order. And only two of these have configurable loop order. That would be the Gigger G2 and then the ES8. And So what does that mean, David? Why would I want to configure my loop order? So, 
this comes in handy so many times for not only utilitarian reasons, but also it expands your range of presets that you can uh, make different sounds with. So what configurable loop order is, it allows you to change the order of the loops. So normally, if I have loops one through eight, my signal goes through loop one, one through, then two, then three, then yes. four, then eight, and then comes out. Yeah, so it's just like you would be if you didn't have a loop switcher. That's the order of the pedals. Ah. So with the configurable loop order, you're not restricted to that. You're able to con- you're able to move them in whatever way you like. So you can change the way you're stacking your overdrives. Yes. You can change your fuzz into reverb or your reverb into your fuzz. Yeah. And, and it also reverb. allows, yeah. again, for you to arrange your pedal board whatever way because you're not restricted by this pedal has to go here and uh, then... By, by cable length or by, by size. By cable length or okay. size. It, it just allows for more configurability and a little bit easier to uh, move things. And then a great example of why this is useful is I recently took an octopedal off my pedal board and put in a fuzz and it was in loop six and I had my octave in that exact order one through six it was in loop six the six pedal in the chain and I do not want my fuzz pedal to be after all my drives I would like it to be in front of all my drives hey configurable loop order to the rescue exactly so this made it super easy just to be like okay put this here and then boom you're good. And not only is it that amazing, but also when you're A-Bing things, maybe you're not sure what you like first. So with, let's just take the ES-8, for example. So the ES-8 has presets. It, it's it's the top tier. It's basically the most complicated you can get as far as loop switcher goes. Um, so any, the sky's the limit with um, what you can do. So uh, it's base premise you can program many presets, as we've been stating before, um, with different sounds. So if you want to A-B something, you make one preset with, let's say, a Morning Glory and a Tube Screamer. You make two presets with both of these pedals on. But the only difference is they're in a different order. So one's the Morning Glory first, the other is the Tube Screamer first. And then okay. you A-B, A-B between them. Oh, yeah. you if like. you were going to try to A-B them before, you'd be unplugging and replugging, and you wouldn't even remember what it sounded like by the time you got it plugged in again. Exactly. Okay. So, all right. Configurable loop order for the win, but as you said, that's really only available in some of the in in the biggest, in the biggest, biggest loopers we've got. With one exception. The MS-5. No. The MS-5. What the hell is an MS-5? You mean um, the MS-3. The MS-3. But no, still not the MS-3. The, the, one, I was go- the one I was going to refer to... Uh, one control has a looper called the Salamandra. It's a very small three-loop looper, but its claim to fame is the fact that it has configurable loop order. Oh, wow. So in a little three-loop box, um, although it is uh, near the price of some of the other loopers, you do get um, you do get that configurable loop order in a very small box. How much is it, Tony? It is $289. Hmm. Yeah. See, see, for that money, I'd probably want something else. $289. And then you have the MS3, which is 400 But does not have any configurable loop order. Oh, yeah, that is true. So that if we're talking true. about that in particular or as a comparison, the only things with the configurable loop order are generally the very uh, the top tier things we've got that are $600 and over. Yes. Does the, MS- the ES5 not have... 
configurable loop order. I'm pretty sure it does. Uh, yes. Oh, at 400. At 400. So that might be the lowest price point in order to get that feature. Yes, and that is actually a very reasonable price. It's right in the mid-tier. It's a very reasonable price. Very it's reasonable. Not to jump to the end of the episode, but it's probably one of our picks. It is definitely probably one of our picks as far as price goes. All right, so um, some, another feature that is probably only available, probably, I should know the data is in front of me, that is really only available in the larger loopers is insert points and movable insert points. Alrighty, so insert points, what are these good for? So the most common you're going to see are volume inserts, or just, it, it might not even be called that, it might just be called an insert, which also can be used for a volume. And for sending to your amp yes. effects loop. So you can send to your amp effects loop. You may want to run. Some of these loopers have several. One in particular, the RJM Mastermind has three insert points. So you have 10 loops total. And then you have a bank of four, a bank of two, and another bank of four. And in between each one, you can route an insert. You can route an insert. So this is great for anyone who has probably a more complicated, complex rig that may contain a couple amplifiers, many different effects. You're using an effects loop. You want one amp to be dry. You want the other to be wet. This is the looper for you because it allows you to route things in pretty much any way you want, other than the fact that it does not have configurable loop order. (laughs) For the second most expensive pedal on our list. Oh, that's interesting. Tremendous other features... Uh, but not that. Yes, it's... All right, right, well, that leads me to another feature while we're talking about big, expensive loopers. um, Editor librarians are only available on a handful of these. Yes. So that's desktop or even potentially mobile software that allows you to manage your presets, create set lists of presets, Mm -hmm. uh, manage options and configurations that might not be available on the front panel or might be buried under a million menus, uh, the desktop editor or librarian is a great way to manage a complicated rig. So uh, that's only available in the two boss switchers and... Three boss switchers. uh, Oh, that's true. I wasn't considering the MS3, but yes, available in all the boss switchers we've uh, listed as well as the RJM. Is that it? For editor librarians, yeah. You know, not everybody's got a uh, software development team. This is true. Yeah, they may be an awesome uh, rig builder, but, you know, somebody's got to code the software. Yeah, but you may ask, why do I need this software? Why does this make it better? Well, if you're David and you have uh, 600 presets you're trying to manage and <laughs> rearranging set lists and whatnot, it's, you know, it's yeah. extremely useful. And it's, even apart from that, even if you're not using a ton of sounds necessarily, it's just so much easier to have your MacBook, your PC out, plugging into your looper, and then instead of going through, instead of going through all the submenus inside of your uh, hardware and clicking through buttons, looking for MIDI commands, waiting thirty seconds for a CC message to scroll up, you're <laughs> able to just type it all in. Oh, well, you got it! You've got to press this button 128, t- 127 times to well, get no, to one twenty-eight. I have to hold it down, but it still <laughs> takes like thirty seconds. And when you're in. A moment of uh, you're at the gig, and I'm not busting out my busting out my uh, laptop at a gig. I don't. I program my uh, stuff beforehand. But even so, a great example is having to change something and going through a submenu. Minute and a half later, I'm done. But I don't want to do that all the time. I want to be able to get it all done really quickly. 
at home. And that's why these librarians systems are great. Now, by far the most comprehensive, well laid out, easy to read one. I mean, there's only two options. You have the boss ones and then they're all pretty much the same. Um, as far as the interface goes. And then the RJM. And the RJM is just so excellently done. I'm super jealous of all the RJM guys out there. It's super um, easy to use. It's very clear. Um, you're able to save set list, And then within those, you have song-specific things you're able to do. It's just a myriad of options. And it's it's great for people like me who play who have maybe a repertoire of 50 songs they play on a regular basis and they're playing out three times, a, three times a week or maybe you're in a band, you're touring and you're playing the same set list every night. This is great because you have everything saved, very easy to read. You're able to go through them when you're programming it and you don't lose things. It's, it's, it's the best thing ever. I'd say on the flip side of that, uh, and I am using uh, Boss MS3, which is a relatively small looper, but also has the editor librarian available. And in my case, while I have a small board with a small looper, I have several MIDI pedals. And that's where the editor librarian comes in handy for me is, is, like you said, trying to control those, change those messages, set those values, the MIDI things in particular tend to be buried under submenu, submenu, submenu. Yeah, and it's not too bad, but Saving that extra time is is very nice. All right, so that's an excellent feature. Um, most of the buff, most of the buffers, most of the buffers have loopers. Most of the loopers have buffers. Most of them, and, and many of them, I think all of them, you can uh, bypass them, turn them off. All right. Now, in in some of the switchers, uh, uh, the notable one in my mind is escaping me at the moment, but it actually has two inputs: a non-buffered input and a buffered input. Other looper switchers, you're turning the buffer on and off. For each one. Uh, well, for well, that depends on the looper. Some of them have input-output buffer, and some yeah. of them have between-loop-bank buffers. I'm unsure about the ES8 as far as if you can... It has two inputs, but I'm unsure if you can individually turn the mm. buffer off for one and not the other. I've not looked into that because I've never used both inputs. That's something to look into, but I'm sure it's possible. All right. Obviously, a big distinction between the uh, loopers on our list is whether it has MIDI or not. Um, now, a further distinction is, uh, in some cases, uh, how many presets are available via MIDI or if it sends MIDI clock or how it does those things. Um, why would I want MIDI clock? Well, I want to send tempo changes to other MIDI pedals. Yes. Um, now... This is a little... I want to talk on your personal experience for a second and how you solved that problem. But what exactly was it that your ES8 couldn't do related to some of the pedals on your board? So, the basis of the uh, entire scenario is that my ES8 will not send, or any ES8 will not send, tap tempo via TRS to... You're trying. Oh, uh, okay. Well, so your problem was not that the, the yeah, ESA couldn't send tap tempo; is that it only sends it over MIDI. It only well, it does send tap tempo, but not via. It doesn't. It does not send the right type of message, or the right kind of latching feature to 
a TRS equipped um, Strymon tap tempo input. Well, what I but I was under the impression it didn't send any tap tempo at all that wasn't via MIDI. It does. It does. Yes, it does. Ah, look at that new feature I didn't even know about. Yeah. So okay. if, if you so had, your problem was it wasn't the right. It, it just doesn't interface with <laughs> the small box Strymon stuff. So it will send um, tap tempo via MIDI with uh, my timeline, but it will not um, sync any of my other pedals by itself, um, all, any of my uh, other Strymon delays, because they it just does not send the right message for TRS. All right, so um, you needed another box to do So that. I needed another box to do this. So what I ended up doing, I bought a Disaster Area um, Smart Clock 3, which is essentially, it's the same idea as the Smart Clock or the uh, MIDI clock inside of the... Um, ES8 at its core. It sends MIDI tap tempo to whatever device you like. But also, it sends out TRS tap tempo, um, regular tap tempo to anything, and then a myriad of other things. It's a small MIDI controller that you can actually control an entire pedal board if you really like. Um, that aside, I ended up using that to sync my tempos of my Strymon dig and my LCAP. So how that works is the smart clock has presets and within each preset is a BPM or a millisecond if you would like that to be that be the case. So Yeah, I, I always compute my tempos in milliseconds. Do you really slash sarcasm? <laughs> <laughs> most of the kind most of the time it's gonna be BPM for the kind of stuff that I'm doing. So you have your presets, and they have individual BPMs for each one. And then I can tell my ES8 which one of those to go to within a preset. So preset-specific tempos for each preset if I like. All right, so your looping switcher is sending MIDI messages to your clock thing clock to change its presets. To, to change then the preset, which to, tells... Which then sends tap tempo... Tap tempo via TRS to, to your, your other pedals. pedals. Gotcha. So... Let me so let me take the opportunity to clarify TRS tap tempo and maybe other things we're talking about just in case somebody isn't hip to what we're talking about. But if you've got a tap tempo button on your uh, device or your pedal board or whatever and you're, it's connected to another pedal, it's most likely what we would call TRS using a uh, stereo-looking quarter-inch yes. plug to tap tempo. The other way pedals can get tap tempo uh, is over MIDI with something called MIDI clock. So that's one of the distinctions we're trying to make. Just wanted to make sure that was that was clear. You just have to make sure your pedal is configurable and works with your loop switcher, which I unfortunately did not. So <laughs> Before I to, it, so you bought more than you expected. So I bought more than I expected. So instead of having a fuzz in that spot, I am stuck with another utility device, which is fine because honestly for me, fuzz is just vanity, but it's still amazing. <laughs> um, sort of related to um, configurable loop order and movable inserts points, uh, just to call out the uh, gig rig uh, quartermaster range of switchers is they have something called flip-flop mode. Yes. This is otherwise a very basic switcher, but flip-flop mode lets one button toggle between two loops. So essentially a really easy AB mode or a really quick kind of second layer switching option. And there's really no other looper here that has something like a flip-flop built in besides that particular series. Yeah, so... On the more basic loopers, for example, like the Walrus Transits, you click one button, 
It's like it's like having a bunch of pellets on the bottom of your board. You bypass it, you turn it off, and they don't all go on or off at once. So you have to individually select each one. So if you wanted to turn on two pedals, you have to click the loops for each pedal. Or, or if one's off and one's on, you hit both switches with your foot. Exactly. That's now, a flip-flop. Why is the gig rig so, or not the gig rig, the uh, quartermaster so awesome for this? Is because it eliminates that and allows you to, instead of having to click two buttons, you can click one. It doesn't go much beyond that because you're still limited by the fact it's not MIDI, not preset based, but it's kind of diving into some of the capabilities of those while still retaining the small size and affordability, I guess, of the smaller loopers. That being said, they're not quite. They're not super expensive, but for what it is, they're not that affordable, are they? (laughs) Um, We were talking about MIDI uh, switchers and remote loopers and how you might use those together. Um, Another feature to call out is whether the uh, looping switcher is linkable or pairable in a sense. Uh, In particular, the one-loop crocodile has a jack dedicated for this purpose where a second unit remotely located uh, can be, you can send presets to it and have it do its own thing or it can essentially be a a slave to the original unit and control other uh, things in the the back rack as opposed to uh, on the floor in front of you. Um, When you think of it that way, then you also open up the possibility of using something like that on your back rack, but then having just a simple MIDI controller as your only pedal board. So you've moved your entire rig to the back line, and the only thing in front of you on stage is a MIDI controller. controller. So be aware or consider those options if you're trying, especially if you have a rack-based rig, uh, or if you don't want all the pedals on stage in front of you or anything like that. So you're looking for either remote controllability, uh, and so you're looking for a looper that has a MIDI in, uh, or you're looking for one that's specifically linkable between units like like that one control. One of the interesting standout switchers on our list is the Build Your Own Clone Super 8. And I believe it's noticeable, noticeable, notable for having eight loops in a really small package. Uh, there's only five buttons, uh, one, two, three, four, five. Then you press one and two to get six, two and three to get seven, and three and four to get eight. I don't know if I described that right, but just by double pressing, you get the extra thing. So they've managed to cram eight loops into a really small enclosure. Now, the downside to this particular looper is you got to put it together yourself. <laughs> and with eight plus jacks, sorry, 16 plus jacks, On the that's a lot of soldering. And that being said, this is a perfect segue into what jacks to use for the back of your... Uh, no, no, let's loops. not talk about cables yet. Let's not talk about cables yet. We need to talk about cables. But it it is uh, notable for this particular one because those jacks are so crammed together on the back of this particular looper. You're going to have to have a very specific kind of jack to make that work. Yeah, we definitely are going to talk about cable. Yeah. Uh, But the uh, Super 8 does have 32 presets. It's relatively affordable at under $200 if you put it together yourself. But you have to know the solder. And closer to 300 if you've got somebody to, um, you can buy it pre-assembled for almost 300 um, Which is so still I, not too bad. No, no, not at all. Especially when you consider how small it is and what it does in that in that size. So I think it's noticeable for that, again, notable for that reason. 
Um, so to your point about cables, so I've got a, uh, eight loop switcher, which means I've got 16, 18 cables going on in the back of my thing there. How am I going to fit all those? So in most cases, patch cables tend to be right angles. Um, the bulky ones. So let's say the MXR pancake ones, um, even just your regular, what would you, I don't even know what brand they are, but the, the chunky right angle, six-inch patch cables. Yeah. Um, those are not going to work um, with a very condensed back um, patch bay of your loopers. So you kind of have to take into account what kind of cables are going to work for you. So we're going to be... You're going to be looking for a low-profile, and if not a low-profile, a straight plug. Uh, yeah, I've seen plenty of boards that have regular straight, yes. you know, fat, you know, two-inch chassis-looking plugs. To, mm-hmm. As long as they're straight out the back, that's yeah. great. If they're straight, it's but then you've good. you've lost a good two, three inches of real estate behind yeah. your looper. There's in the no low-profile straight jack, so that brings up the question: Is there a right-angle jack that will work? Well, in between though, we've got any solderless cable is generally small enough to fit. Yes, whether it's a straight out or a right angle solderless mm-hmm. um nearly every th- kit i can think of is small enough to yeah. jam together i, I have my i have my strymons butted up to the back of my esa where the cables are so it's i think it's probably three or four centimeters it's right. nothing. so so if you're not using solderless cables and you're not using straight cables because of the waste of space although hey, sometimes it is what it is your best options are really small right-angle cables, of which there are only a few that would actually fit back yeah. there. Which are EBS, mm-hmm. and even that can still get a little bit crunched up once you start adding probably 16 cables in a. And I would say it would depend greatly on the layout of the jacks on the back of your looper. If yes. they're stacked right on top of each other, like uh, loop one in and out are right on top of each other, mm-hmm. or if they're angled... Um, where the jacks are in between. Yes. The latter is great for right-angle cables. Yeah. The former is going to be a pain in the ass. Yeah. So in most cases, the more loops there are on your looper, the more condensed those jacks are going to be. Um, the one outlier or exception to this rule is like with the Transit 5 or the Transit um, 3, they're just across. They're, oh, straight across. They're right. straight across. There's a lot of room on the There's on a lot of room. Unit. So in that case... You can get away with using pretty much any normal patch cable as long as it reaches to the pedal and back to the looper. All right. On my on my MS3, where many of the jacks are pretty close together but not stacked, uh, the EBS cables work great because I have enough room to let yeah. them sit angled all the way across. And I'm using Evanet's Audio SIS with every single patch cable, and they work really great. It can get a little crunched up but you, you it will work you just have to figure out your way around it make sure the cables are routed nicely and it will work so just find a low profile cable with those mo the very condensed um patch bays on the back of the uh, loopers awesome um another outlier on our list so to speak is uh the disaster area um the dpc5 yeah this is a really cool guy um uh, relatively small at five loops but contains built in the smart clock to which we alluded earlier so if you are like me and you have several streaming devices that you want to send tap tempo to or maybe even um send some sort of control message to which they will also take 
um, the ES5, which is in the same exact price market as this at $400, will not do that for you, unfortunately. But the DMC will. So if you have any kind of Strymon, anything on your board, I highly recommend that you go with the DMC just because it's going to interface with your pedal board a lot easier. Another feature in that same switcher, the DPC-5, uh, is a smart jack, um, what they call smart jack. So in, important to note that not all MIDI pedals have a five-pin MIDI connector. Some of them use a TRS jack. Chase Bliss. And Empress. And Empress. And there might, there's probably there might be some other, more, yeah. There's probably some others we can't think of. Actually, I think Maris. Yes, also. Yes. And in that case, you need a translator box if all you have available to control them with is a five-pin MIDI connector, which... All of these switches do, with the exception of this DPC, which has a smart jack, which allows you to control those pedals via MIDI without a converter box. Uh, note the converter box is probably around 50 bucks, so factor that into, I'm thinking of the Empress MIDI box, for example, which I think is $49. So factor that into your calculations when you're adding I think Alexander box. makes one. I also believe you are correct. Yeah, there, there's many options. It's very likely Disaster makes one. Because they put it into this switch. Yes. <laughs> um, something else that's notable on the uh, a couple of switches we have from One Control is is that some of their basic loopers have uh, DC outputs on the back to power your pedals. This is, I guess, in our world, is it's it really not, a feature? It's almost a downfall. Like you kind of wanted to avoid it, right? Because. You're no longer isolating. Yeah, you're essentially daisy-chaining all your pedals together off of the power supply with which you're running the uh, switcher off of, which you need to make sure has enough amps to, co- amps to cover all of the pedals that you've got in exactly. the chain. So I wanted to mention it as, you know, that it's interesting. It's an option. And maybe you can power a tuner off it, but outside of something like that, like, I don't think you're going to want to power your Strymon timeline out of the courtesy out of your looper but maybe you want maybe you'll be able to power to drive or a fuzz all right now we've talked about how size plays into uh if you could fit a looping switcher on your board at all right now yeah uh or how much real estate you're gonna have to dedicate it to it so to kind of start that topic i wanted to make note to one of the ones we haven't mentioned at all before which is the voodoo lab px8 plus uh, this is a very this is very wide looper about the width of the pedal board. It's intended to to go with among others, but it's very shallow and it's intended to be at the very very front of your board. Um, I believe it's it's not even uh, two inches deep. Mm-hmm. And if you decide to go uh, entirely voodoo and get the pedal board that was made uh, to work with the PX8 plus it actually screws to the front of your pedal board and doesn't take up any board real estate at all. Um, this is a great option, uh, in my mind specifically for that reason, uh, the way it fits on the pedal board. It's also, uh, relatively inexpensive, uh, and does, uh, presets, presets and MIDI capabilities, which is, which is is an awesome thing. It's the only thing it's not lacking, I would say, at that price point is uh, any amp control switching. Yeah, there's no control out. It's, so you it's need to add another strictly MIDI. Unless, for that. unless your amp takes MIDI, and right. then in that case, it will. Then you're golden. Yes. So that would be a good pick. Um, on the other side of that are the RJ4, the uh, Gig Rig, and the Bossy S8 are relative monsters. Yes, and they actually vary in price quite a bit. So the ES8 is $700, and then the gig rig is 1100 
So you have a... With the Mastermind being a, just, just under that. Just under that. And actually, right now, I believe it's on sale for eight ninety nine. if you would like to go pick one up. <laughs> now, on the small end, uh, the Build Your Own Clone Super 8, like we talked about, is very compact. Um, and the One Control Salamander, which also, which while is a three-loop switcher, is going to be small because it's only three loops, is really small. So for maybe a little fly rig board or just something that you want to put your drives on to mm-hmm. play with, that size is advantageous. I'd say everything else kind of falls somewhere in between. Yes, for sure. For sure. All right. So make sure you got enough room as well as enough cable and enough money. Yeah, the money <laughs> is so hard because you have such... It can be such a high barrier to entry with some of these loopers financially. It's why it took me forever to do it. So then, with all the information that we have available at our fingertips and and now yours, and all the expertise we're trying to uh, lay out upon you, what would you choose, David? Well, you know what I would choose because I have it. So I've chosen the Bossy is 8. In my opinion, it hits all the marks for the significantly lower price of the gig rig or the RJM, it's slightly cheaper. In terms of the number of presets available, the MIDI capabilities, the control expressions, ins and outs, yes. and the configurable loop orders, it's the it's it's the only one, it's the cheapest of the ones that yes. even have that available. So it seems to have the most features per money, minus the fact that it's down two loops. Right. It's down two loops. Oh, yeah, both the gig rig and the RJM have but ten loops. Here are two of the disadvantages, or some disadvantages of the gig rig and the RJM. We've already talked about the RJM not having configurable loop order. That's a big deal for me, and a game changer. But at the same time, it has 10 loops, so maybe I could have worked my way around that in some way. Um, and then with the gig rig, no library in software, so no way of me saving songs in my uh, MacBook to load up for a set. So as much as I love the gig rig, I actually kind of want to talk about it right now because I think it's an amazing switcher that is good for someone who has a big board, but like you, Tony, doesn't need a ton of programmable... I uh, have 10 pedals. Yeah, who doesn't need a <laughs> song-specific kind of... Do, they just need a bunch of sounds. And what's great about the gig rig is how user-friendly it is. They've gone as far as... You don't have to save a preset. It just remembers what you have told it to do. So once you have selected the pedals and you move on, you go back, it's so already it's saved. on the fly preset saving. Exactly. Okay. So it just remembers everything. And then on top of that, it's still... You can maybe control your entire pedal board. Apart from that, um, there is, I believe, an app with a hard with some hardware you can buy where it allows you to program the gig rig um, MIDI wise. Okay, some kind of uh, wireless dongle yeah. or something. Yes, I'm absolutely. I'm kind of curious. I know I watched a video with uh, Dan and Mick on that pedal show about switchers and they were talking about the media control abilities of the gig rig but i'm unsure of how you actually program the midi on it because it doesn't have an lcd screen so i'm unsure of how you know if it's going from zero to 127 where yeah now um almost as good as the es8 would be the es5 yes in fact it's only uh it's only less expensive and 
lesser numbers of most of the features. Yeah. Lesser presets, lesser control outputs. Doesn't have a volume insert. And does not have a volume insert. Mm -hmm. But otherwise is a pretty good value for what it is. Extremely so. Okay. And the advantage of the ES8 is that over over the ES5 is just purely it has more. So if you need more, get the ES5. And in my opinion, it's it's slightly easier function wise from going from preset to preset as it has a dedicated bank up and bank down. It gives you extra buttons. Yeah, it's yeah. just a little bit more um, user friendly as far as banking through um, your presets. All right. At the same time, you need to be prepared to give up that real estate because it's markedly bigger. Yes, I have the a twenty-eight by sixteen board, <laughs> which is a mammoth, and I my pedal board weighs almost sixty pounds, and I'm hauling that around two to three times a week but it has wheels so it's worth it and it's a ton of fun all right so here one of the loopers we haven't talked about at all that's on our list um but probably i mean it's notable but it's also it also has a lot of downsides and that would be yes. the carl martin octa switch i have a feeling you're gonna say that for while it's not outrageously expensive although it kind of is for what it does or what it doesn't do it's very large for what it does. Is it bigger than the ES8? And very large for what it doesn't do. <laughs> um, no MIDI, right? No MIDI. It, no presets. Uh, well, well, let's call them mechanical presets. It's a mechanical preset. Uh, the OctaSwitch is unique. Okay. It, it's, the thing that makes it unique and the thing that is its downfall is also its greatest advantage. It's stupidly simple to program. Yes. Because each preset foot switch has eight little switches to control which loops are on for that switch. Yeah, it's not dissimilar to the way there's, a chase blitz pedal looks on the back. There's no menu. There's no uh, presets that you've got a yep. menu with and save and whatever. You flip switches and, you've, and you're and you done. Yeah, this is for anyone who wants a big switcher but doesn't want all the fuss and just wants to be like, okay, these loops are on, these ones are off. I'm good. So this is also for people like Tony who just want certain <laughs> sounds. They only have it has eight eight, eight loops. loops. So it's for you have eight sounds. Octa switch eight loop. Octa. <laughs> I didn't even But lie. I feel like it's also ginormous for what it does. It's extremely large and as you we have already pointed out, you have the what is that guy called? The Super 8? The Super 8, which will do the same thing for you. It's probably a quarter of the size. Quarter of the, of the size. And you can do the same exact thing, but not only the same exact thing, you can do more. So, something to note. <laughs> so, as far as functionality and practicality, this would be a big no-no for me. Unless you like the interface and it's just your thing. Yeah, I feel like for some people it would be like that. Um, now, uh, the other ones that we didn't mention that you might, if you're following along at home and you're looking at our list, we haven't really talked about the decibel 11 at all, except for the loop expander that was alluded to earlier. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to include these on the list is because they're extremely reasonable values right now. Um, even at their regular price, they were pretty well priced, but they've been on some quote unquote clearance for the, for the last year or so. And they're extremely affordable. Um, the only downside would be that there are only four loops. 
the pedal palette um, and the switch doctor are both four loop switchers, but are available now at around $150, which is incredible. And there's nothing else on our list that has those capabilities at that price point at all. So if you're on a strict budget, but you still want some form of loop switching and they are programmable, right? Yeah. And you're getting MIDI. This is probably for you. <laughs> Apart from all the cables you're going to buy, but that you can get cheap cables. Yeah. So as a as an extraordinary value, I wanted to make note of yeah. the decibel eleven uh, options. Absolutely. Um, we did mention the gig rig quartermasters before, which are otherwise extremely um, basic loopers. Um, very beautiful, though. They are very nice. It's actually probably my favorite small looper. I'm biased, though, but at and the same time. Have- Oh, so they're kind of hard to obtain because oh, there's no this is with all the gig rig stuff there it's no American dealers it's, I think it's all direct so you have to go um, in case y'all didn't know Dan at the gig rig is based out of England so if you want to order any of their products you have to go through their website so you get something shipped from England so you're paying taxes you're paying impound so it's going to cost more than it is at face value just for the looper so that's something to keep in mind is it worth it? maybe and I would say the only thing that the only sexier looking one on there besides the quartermasters, which are really nicely done, is probably the um, the uh, ML five from Morningstar. That's a very beautiful yeah. shiny unit. Yeah, I would definitely <laughs> get a quartermaster just because of how good it looks, and it's it's for the simple looper. It's, it's by far the best featured. I would agree. Um, well, now I might not agree, except for why haven't we talked about the Joyo PXL, the Live and the Pro, one with MIDI, one without? Because it's Joyo, and we're eight loopers. Come on now. What's wrong with Joyo? We're pedal sniffers. We we don't like Joyo by uh, our nature, but at the same time, I've seen a lot of these, and people love them. Yeah, they're at a very good price point. Uh, at $220, you have got a, a MIDI-capable eight-loop switcher. Which is... Is that the best bang for your buck for a MIDI-capable eight-loop eight switcher we have I, on the list? I suppose... It certainly looks like it. So again, for the budget-friendly folks out there, this is the looper for you. The other one control, um, switching loopers of note, the Agamidae, is that, that's probably not right at all, and the Camellio, which sounds much more uh, right, uh, are the switchers I alluded to earlier with the uh, built-in DC outputs that we would probably recommend you don't use. Yes. Um, but these are of note for that. Um and the presets available, but they, they really sit in the middle of the road in terms of features per dollar, so they're not a direct recommend. Um, one thing on the Joyo, um, their footprint, they are extremely skinny. Uh, they, they're the same form factor as the Voodoo. Yes. Wide, but very thin. So they're designed to stay on the bottom of your board, right by your feet, everything else on top. So they are very... Um, Pedable real estate's expensive. And valuable. So these are good. If you have a full pedal board right now, is that going to help you? No. But it's going to save you a little bit of money when moving up a size. Gotcha. So we've pretty much hit everything in the list. Um, I'll just jump back to the Line 6 HX for a second because while it's not strictly a looping switcher, it's more a multi-effects unit with loops, uh, it, I wanted a comparison in there, for example, towards the Boss MS3. But we've essentially addressed each one so far. We've basically given you our top pick for the top-end looper. 
So you got a big complicated rig. Our choice is most likely going to be the ESA. Just because feature set price wise, you're not at disadvantage sound quality wise. The it's, it's the mass producing big corporate companies, so they can just make things for cheaper than Dan can, who's pretty much all by himself at the gig rig. Or uh, the economies of scale of boss are hard to ignore. Yeah, they, and they're going to be. <laughs> It's impossible, and you know it's going to be rock solid. It's going to work because it's boss. It just works, and there's no fuss. I've never had an issue with it. It's been nearly six months, actually. And it's even above, even uh, compared to the other uh, expensive switches we've got, it's probably the most interfaceable in the fact that it has six control outs, yes. two expression outs, and four inputs that can be expression or foot switches. Yes, and none the- of the other ones have nearly that many options. So if you got this big complicated rig and you we've pretty much chosen the S8 for you, what, however, or if you've got a lot of stereo pedals? Uh, now, one way to combat that is to put your stereo pedals after. outside the looper and yeah. after the looper. Which is what I'm doing right now just because I don't really need my stereo pedals in the loop because they can be controlled all via MIDI. Right. And so they just so got... happen to be reverb, delay, and then apart from my tremolo, which is not MIDI controllable, you're able to control with MIDI and it's just coincidentally in the right order anyway. And they're not ever going to change. So they're at the end of the signal. So now if you wanted stereo pedals if you wanted to loop switch your stereo pedals, you don't really have a lot of options. Yeah, so the ES8, if you have more than two stereo pedals, you're kind of at a loss. Now, I was going to point out that the RGM, the Mastermind, has uh, three or four stereo-capable loops. Yes, but, but you need a TRS. Okay, um, well, that's, well, that's less of a but. It isn't, but at the same time, it's still that extra effort. Now you have to go find a TRS cable that works and right. fits and is the right length. All right, well, that's, a, uh, that's, that's, an an exe- that's an execution inconvenience. Yes. But functionally, the Mastermind is the one that doesn't have configurable yes. loop order. And I'm, that is true, but at the same time, I'm super jealous because, <laughs> for example... I don't currently run my dig and my LCAP are in the loops of my ES8, but I do not run them in stereo just because it's easier not to. With all my current stereo routing, I just end up running the trem, um, my timeline, and my reverb or my big sky all in stereo. It just makes it simple, less fuss. But with the RJM, I could run all of those pedals minus the big sky and stereo in the loopers and save my time of having the CC message control my timeline to mm. turn on and off and then just be able to turn them on and off with my looper instead of... I don't think that trade-off's worth it. I don't either, which is why I got the ES8. <laughs> All right, so the solution is if you want to run in stereo, you go to stereo after your looper, uh, you use a mastermind that's got uh, stereo loops, or you use the one or two loops that are available in the ES8. In fact, one of which only has a mono send, so that's essentially the start of your stereo uh, signal chain. And then the gig rig has the same amount of stereo loops as the ES8, just in loops 9 and 10. Got it. And one thing to keep in mind is some of these pedals have spillover, which is for when you're going to turn up a delay your 
effects spill over to the next preset. Or if you turn it off, it still continues to trail off. And that works by switching off the return of that loop while kills, or sorry, twitch, switching off yeah. the send of that loop while yeah. keeping the return active. So it's a built-in mixer. Now with the ES8, you can only have one stereo loop and one mixer. So I cannot have two two pedals that are in stereo spill over. Got it. So that's a limitation. But again, as someone who doesn't need that, it's not a big deal. But that's something to keep in mind. Um, one of the you mentioned you mentioned it being having a mixer involved, and one of the uh, other advantages of that in the ES8 is you have the option to do parallel loops. Correct. And I actually also believe it's the only of uh, the big loopers that allows you to put any of the loops in parallel. Okay. Right, so for those of us less uh, hip to that, what does parallel loop even mean? So in normal sense, you are running your pedals in series. So one into the other. One and, into two, two into three, yes. three into four. And they're affecting each other. So what parallel does is you can think of it as you're running them separately. Uh, so I'm this splitting my signal. You're splitting before. your signal. Okay. So neither of those pedals is affecting each other in the signal chain. So it's just a different sound. I'm not I'm not messed with it too much because I'm not typically a super big fan of it um, for drives or for delays. For delays, it can be cool, but I just tend to stack stuff. I just prefer the way it sounds. And it's less fuss and it's just simpler. As complicated as my rig is, it's just adding one extra thing I have to add. I'm sure I'll have fun with it at some point or need it for some kind of sound I like. But being able to have the option on the ESA to be, do it on any loop is kind of outstanding. Okay. So we're kind of sold for the ES8 on our big, big rig looper. And after that would be the RGM just because it has the additional uh, It just has the librarian. Okay. Yeah. So in the mid range, um, which I guess value wise is going to be in the, you know, three to $500 range, we're kind of right on the boss again. Yes. With the ES5. We are so lame. I, you know, hey, it is We're what it is. We're going to be accused of being boss-sponsored. Um, in the mid-level um, pick, though, I would have to include the Voodoo Lab PXA Plus. Absolutely. Uh, for its size and MIDI and uh, value for feature. Yeah, and then the disaster area as well. If you are in the same case as me, where you have Strami pedals. Yeah, the now, smart you, clock and smart yeah. jack. If, yeah. If you don't have, plus if you do not have the interface with the Strymon kind of the Strymon kind of pedals, go ES5 all the way. All right. Now, if you don't need MIDI at all, and you've got a relatively small rig, um, you might. I mean, again, I like the I like the Build Your Own Clone Super Eight. Um, in order to be a great value, though, it needs to you need to build it yourself. Yes. Uh, and I know that's a huge hurdle for many people yeah I've, for I've most ju- people i've just started soldering pretty recently building my own things installing my own pickups etc etc and even that's such a daunting task i don't even think i'd i don't even think i'd want to do it and that's solder like, all the time yeah and you have that's a that's probably like a four-hour project because at least so then my other pick for the small rig looper would probably be one of the the decibel 11s uh, because there's such an incredible value for the four loops that they are. Yeah. Uh, I can't really think of anything else that comes close at that price point. 
Now, what kind of falls between the small rig and the middle MIDI rig is the loop switcher that I chose. The MS3. Boss MS3. Um, Here I've got three loops. I've got MIDI capabilities. I've got some control ins and outs. um, And I've got a ton of internal effects, which uh, has been working out great for me. And comes in at $400. May I just mention that it does not have true dry analog through. Okay. All right. A significant shortcoming for some people is going gonna, is gonna to be that um, everything that goes in gets digitized and that's the end of it. Uh, there's one set of uh, ADs in the front and one set of DAs at the end and, and you're done. So the it's a digital through. It's digital effects. But you know what? I think it sounds great. I'm not saying it doesn't. <laughs> Just in my experience, when you start adding a lot of wet effects with overdrive, you can start getting muddy and you lose the initial attack of the transients and all your all the clarity can start going away once you start getting a little bit more stacked with effects. Other than that, since you're a bass player, most of the time you don't have 20 effects on. You may nope. have one or two. Not at all. So, I can have up to six simultaneous, but yeah, I'm really using only a, a kind of a handful. Yeah. So that's a great option. And ultimately, if you're recording into a DAW, it's all digitalized anyway. Uh, so I, you know, for the price, I feel the MS3 hits a lot of the right notes for me. Uh, as we mentioned before, it's the great, it's a great starter switcher because you get a bunch of built-in effects. Yeah. Um, it's expandable for a little money when you use a MIDI-controlled uh, remote switcher. Loop expander. Um, exactly. So it's a great way to start. Um, I don't know that I would... I haven't personally played the Line 6 HX to know if I like the sounds in it better or worse, but at $200 more with less interfacing, I'd probably still choose the MS3. It has less interfacing, but at the same time, the HX effects does more eternally than the MS3 does. I can do nine simultaneous in the HX, which yeah, is only six in the MS3. Fair. Yeah, fair. And pe- people love the people love the Helix stuff, and that is just a even more stripped down version of it. And I'm sure it's great. I've never, I've not had the chance to touch it, and I think it's great. I honestly would probably go with the HX effects just because I'm curious. And at that point, I'm not sure. Once personally, once I get into the multi effects area, I'm not sure how many loops I actually want. Or if I'm going to be super into loops, so maybe only having two loops for a couple drives is not a big deal. All right, so let's recap the considerations that you need to keep in mind when you decide on whether you want one and which one you're going to get when you decide you do want one. Uh, Real estate. There's only so much size you have that you have to make available. Absolutely, and do you have to pay more for a bigger board? And if that is the case... You have to prepare yourself for that. So think about how many loops you really need, which pedals you can put before or after your switching looper, Mm -hmm. um, and make considerations for whether you need to get a larger board uh, in the process or you're trying to squeeze your switcher onto the board you already have. Yeah, or maybe even be able to consolidate in the case of moving over to an MS3 or or the HX effects. All right. Obviously, uh, we know you're outlaying uh, dollars or some country's currency for this unit mm-hmm. but you're also outlaying money for double the cable at least double the cable 
and possibly a bigger pedal board. Possibly a bigger power supply. Possibly a bigger power supply. Yeah, which I had to do all of. I had to add, <laughs> not only did I have to, I didn't have to get a bigger power supply. I have a Voodoo Labs Mondo. I added another power supply to uh, power my board. So that was another $160 down the drain for a loop switcher. Hey, not down the drain. Just like added to your total cost of rigging. This is true. It's not down the drain. All right. Uh, another major consideration because it, uh, it narrows or widens your choices is whether or not you need a looping switcher with MIDI controls. Um, like we talked about up front, if you don't have any MIDI pedals, don't worry about pretty it. Pretty cool. But if you plan to, you might want to account for that in your yeah. selection. There's a lot of fun and configurability and possibilities to be had with MIDI. It's daunting, but quite honestly, it's not that hard. No, it is relatively simple. I think we'll probably spend an episode covering that sometime soon. That would be really nerdy and hopefully not too boring to listen to. Talk, be using a lot of numbers. Oh, channels, presets, continuous controllers, program changes. So those are the major considerations that we've tried to enumerate for you on our list. Uh, they were the major factors in what led us to our own personal choices at relative opposite ends of the spectrum. Relative, but still in the same brand, interestingly enough. Yeah, yeah. Which is a valid point to be made about Boss is that they kind of have a looper to cover all the ground to be had, other than the super small guys. A spreadsheet containing all the information we've talked about, the various looping switches, uh, is available on our website, pedalsniffers.com, where you'll also find pictures of mine and David's pedal boards so that all of the reasons that we've, or rationales that we've given you for why we've made choices may become more obviously apparent once you see the actual board. Yeah, that's the limit of this podcast is you can't physically see. Look, look, look at these knobs. Look at these knobs. What knobs? I can only hear you. <laughs> Uh, and with that, uh, we'd like to thank you for listening all the way through the first episode of Pedal Sniffers. If you have made it this far, I am very excited because this well, is... You're our new best friend, really. You're, you are our new best friend, and you are my personal best friend because this is my first podcast that I personally have been on. And Tony, you're pretty much a veteran of this podcast. Podcast veteran. Podcast veteran. <laughs> why you are our host. Well, uh, yeah, it is my first hosting job, so I'll give you that much. Yeah, I'm just a straight-up podcast noob, despite how many podcasts I do listen to. Chronically, yeah. All right, so until next time. I'm David. And I'm Tony. And we're the Pedal Sniffers. <laughs>